0: Father's Day, all you wonderful men, future fathers. That's not how that was supposed to go. Thank you. Should have done that beforehand. Now I have the privilege of organizing this again. Luckily, there's this thing called page numbers at the bottom. How do you know you're a real dad? No, Chris. That's not the answer. I'll give you four pieces of evidence. The first one is... You find yourself walking around your house, turning off lights in rooms where no one is. Why is this light on? Don't you realize how much I pay for electricity? Why are we throwing money at HEA? Second one is, you find yourself constantly telling your children, please take your shoes off at the door there's no reason that you need to walk through the house from one door to the other door with your shoes on across your mother's very white rug The funny thing about that is i can remember walking into my parents house and my dad saying please take your shoes off and thinking wouldn't it wouldn't be fun if i tried to take my shoe off at the door but kick it into the house as far as I can through the kitchen into the den so just walk in the door I took my shoes off at the door dad that doesn't count third thing is you find yourself telling people close the door behind you yeah I also don't want to pay in store any more money than I currently have to can you please close the door the last one is very personal to me. Uh, you find yourself telling your children not to ride their bikes around your car. When I was a kid, my parents, my parents have a ranch house. On the end of the ranch house is a carport. And in the early 90s, my dad bought a brand new Ford Bronco, full-size, sounds like manhood, right? This thing was awesome. It also hydroplaned a lot, and we almost died several times. I had a little BMX bike. I was about 10, 11 years old, and on one side of that bike, I had fallen quite a bit, and the rubber handle had come off. And it would slide in every once in a while, push it back, slide in, push back. And I had decided on this day that it would be a fun idea to ride around the carport around my dad's brand new Bronco. And I remember him telling me, son, don't ride your bike in the carport around my car. And as he said that, I thought, you know what would be really fun is if I took one more lap around the Bronco I did, and it just, it just one side was facing it. And I can remember, I still hear the In the blue, it was white and blue with a blue stripe on the side. And I thought in that moment, I'm dead. I'm surely gonna die. And my dad walks up to me and says, I told you not to do that, Is that it's probably the most gracious I've ever witnessed my dad in that moment. I actually just rode my bike out into the driveway and I lived. I'm here to tell you the story now. <laughs> but now I catch myself telling my four children who ride bikes, please go into the cul-de-sac where you're more likely to die from someone right running over you than scratch my cars. <clears throat> so far in this series, we have, uh, we have talked about... Um, The ceaseless voice of God, meaning that God's voice is not going to end. From heaven, he is declaring his glorious presence and truth to the world. Unendingly, it will not stop. Last week, Aaron made us open a dictionary and use the word incontrovertible to describe God's voice, which basically means it's indisputable. You cannot argue against God's voice, what he says, his word. Today, what I want us to talk about is the resounding voice of God, the resounding voice of God. I could have used the word echo, but that doesn't really capture what I'm going for. Echo is just a repeating of one voice. Could have chosen reverberate, which is what's happening now in this giant auditorium, our gym. That's not what I'm going after. Resounding has the quality of filling something up. Not only that it's multiplying, the voice is multiplying in the earth, but it is filling the earth. So we're going to hop into uh, 2 Kings this morning. But as we go through the story, and as, as, I, as I explain to you what the Word of God is saying, I want you to think about two questions. This is primarily directed towards the men in the room. So what kind of man am I? What kind of man am I? Second question is, as a man, what am I replicating? What am I resounding into the the world around me? Do you speak the word of God? Do you hear and listen to the word of God? And are you filled with the word of God? I want you to think about those two primary questions. What kind of man am I? As I... As a man, what am I replicating? So we're going to tell you the story, Second Kings, chapters one and two, and then I'm going to draw out some specific things about these two men from these two chapters. and then we're going to detail what we as men are called to be and do. So as Aaron said last week, in spectacular fashion, told the story of 1 Kings chapter 22, which is the last chapter of 1 Kings. And he says uh, at the end, uh, after this just terrible situation that Ahab creates for himself, he dies at random because of the word of God, right? You're gonna die because you've done these things. And so Ahab, Ahab perishes and the dogs lick up his blood in exactly the fashion that God said he would where he said how he said um, to the detail so first kings ends with this hole this void to be filled and second kings starts with his descendant becoming the king king ahaziah takes his throne and just like many kings he likes to spend his time on his porch on his roof Hanging out, I guess, getting a suntan. Who doesn't enjoy that? It just so happened that he fell through the lattice of his roof and became sick. And just like his dad, he laid in bed and felt sorry for himself. Woe is me. Look at me, the king. I'm all sick. I would really like to get better and do the things that I want to do. So, he gathers up some servants from his kingdom and says, hey guys, I need you to go into the city of Ekron and ask their God, Baal Zabub, if this sickness is what's going to kill me. Can you go do that? And so uh, at that moment, the servants leave. They're on their way to Ekron. God speaks directly to Elijah. He says, hey, Elijah, guess what Ahab's son is doing? Following after other gods. Can you imagine? And he says, I want you to go and talk to these servants, and I want you to tell them, uh, is there? He actually says, uh, 2 Kings 1, 3, says, arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Baal above, the God of Ekron. I'm scared.
1: Is there someone hacking you?
0: <laughs> Not today. So the servants go back to King Ahaziah, and King Ahaziah says, Wait, What? Why, are you, why did you come so quickly back? It should have taken you much longer to get to Ekron in order to, to hear from their God. And the servants say, no, we, we met this guy and he uh, told us that, that you're going you're gonna to die. And he says, Ahaziah says, uh, what kind of man was he? What kind of man told you this message that you would return to me? And they say, Uh, He was a a hairy guy with a leather belt. A hairy guy with a leather belt. And King Ahaziah says, Ah, it's Elijah, the Tishbite. Man, my dad hated that guy. And I don't want him anywhere around me. Go get him tell him to come here so king ahaziah sends out a captain with 50 men and elijah climbs up on top of the hill and the captain and his men come to him and the captain says the king says get down here and come into his presence and elijah says if i'm a man of god Let heaven rain down fire on you and eradicate you. And that's exactly what happens. And Ahaziah hears the story and he says, you know what? I'll send 50 more men plus a captain. The same exact thing happens. The captain comes and he says, no, no, no. Get down here right now. The king is calling you. The king says, follow him. Come to him. He says, If I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and destroy you, consume you, wipe you out. And exactly that happens. Hey, Isaiah sends a third group. But this time, the captain is smart enough to crawl up the hill to Elijah and say, Please don't send fire. I know that you're capable of wiping me out. But if you could please just follow me to the king and I not die, I would prefer that. And God speaks to Elijah and says, Go follow. Don't, don't be afraid. Go. So he does. He gets there. He tells the king, you're going to die. You've done this. You've, you're, you are going to die in your bed. You're not going to move from that spot. You're going to die because you are trying to listen to a God who doesn't exist. While the God that we serve, the living God, is here and speaking to you through me. What I find interesting about that story is is that Elijah got to see not just Ahab die, but the chapter ends so anticlimatically with, and so he died. That's it. That's the end of ah- ah- Ahaziah's story. And so he died in his bed. Chapter two opens up. says that, Elijah is being prepared to go home, to be swept up in a whirlwind to go back to heaven. Elijah has already anointed Elisha to take over his ministry as prophet, and so Elisha is there with him. Elijah says, I'm going I'm to wrap up some things, and I need to go to Bethel. Why don't you just stay here, Elisha? Elisha says, As the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. And so they go to Bethel, and while he's off doing his his business as a prophet, some of the uh, other prophets come to Elisha and say, Hey, don't you know that your, your master is about to get swept up to heaven? He says, Yeah, I know. Be quiet. I'm trying to pay attention here. Elijah comes back and says, okay, now I need to go to Jericho. Stay here. Same response from Elisha. No, 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 no. As the Lord lives and as you live, I am going to follow you no matter what. Go to They go to Jericho. Same thing happens. A group of prophets came and say, hey, don't you know that he's going to leave? Be quiet. I'm trying to pay attention. I'm trying to focus on what's about to happen. Then Elijah says, we got to cross the Jordan. Comes to the Jordan and he takes off his cloak, his mantle, this hairy fur. He rolls it up and he strikes the Jordan, just like Moses did at the Red Sea and at the Jordan. The waters part, they cross on dry land. They get to the other side and Elijah says, 2 Kings 2:2, he says, When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elijah, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elijah says, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Immediately, as they're standing there, chariot a chariot of fire and horses of fire from heaven come down and separate them. And in that moment, Elijah is swept up, and Elijah watches him go to heaven. Isn't that incredible? This is just insane. Elisha looks down, and he sees a cloak, Elijah's cloak. He says, pick that up. I'll take that goes back to the river, rolls it up just like Elijah does, struck, struck the Jordan, crosses it with dry ground. He comes back to the city. The men of the city say everything is great here with the exception of one thing. Exception of one thing. We had this really bad water causing people to have miscarriages and die. You think you could help us with that? Elijah says, bring me a a bowl, a new bowl, and put salt in it. 2 Kings 2, 21 and 22 says, then he went to the spring of water and threw the salt in it and said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water from now on, neither death nor miscarriage, shall come from it so the water has been healed to this day according to the word that Elisha spoke. And this group of young men comes and they start to heckle Elisha. He says, what they say to him is, go up, bald head, go up, bald head. What they're saying is, if the spirit of Elijah really rests on you, then you should be able to go to heaven like he did. That's how you should prove to us that you actually have his spirit is that you should actually leave. And Elisha says, you want me to prove to you how I have the spirit? I'll curse you. Two bears are gonna come and wipe you out. And in that moment, (laughs) bears come out of the woods and consume 42 of these men. He said, that's how you should know that I have the spirit of Elijah." that when I speak, something real is gonna take place. What kind of man am I? As a man, what am I replicating? It's two stories. One story is about a king whose father handed down death and he died. And the other story is about a prophet who hands down a ministry that brings life? That is calling other people to life. So i give you four observations from the text. The first one deals with King Ahaziah. Some men wallow in death some men wallow in death Second Kings 1-2 says now Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria and lay sick so he sent his servants he sent his messengers telling them go inquire of Baal's above the god of Ekron whether I shall recover from this sickness the biblical authors here are, are comparing Ahaziah's Unwillingness to approach the living God with his physical and spiritual condition. Isaiah isn't sick at random. It doesn't actually say why he's sick. You would think he just fell and broke his leg. You know, like how? I mean, even then, couldn't you recover from that? I'm sure they knew how to set a leg and keep going. But he's sick. It doesn't say exactly why he's sick. But you and I know that it's God's intervention in his life to get him to turn. This isn't about you, it's about you coming to the Lord. Did you notice, is not that word, the God of Ekron, doesn't that sound familiar? Baal zabub Matthew 12, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He says, is it only by Beelzebub the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. The Pharisees are accusing him of partnering with Beelzebub, which is another name for Satan. It's where we get the word Baalzebub is Beelzebub in the Greek, the God of flies to the Ekronites, the God of death. So essentially what Ahaziah is doing is he's approaching a God and saying, is this this how you're going to take me out? Not the other way around of, is this a God who will bring life to me? If I ask this God, will he heal me? Ahaziah sends his message and says, is this how I get taken out? Is this how I die? Psalms 115, four through eight. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak, eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear, noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel, feet, but do not walk, and they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. This man is approaching something that is enabled to give life and asking it something, asking it to speak, and yet it can't. But that's not the way that our world is working now, at least primarily. People don't say that they're gonna approach the all's above this idol, The phrases that you hear now are humanistic. It's, look at what I can do. How many times do you hear the phrase, if you just work hard enough, you'll be able to do whatever you want. How many of you grew up hearing that message? If you put your hand to it, if you put enough energy into it, If you do all the right things, you'll be able to achieve it. How many of you heard that message and yet now know that's a total lie? (laughs) There's no way that I'm gonna be an astronaut because I don't fit in space shuttles. (laughs) Right? It's just not gonna happen. Aaron touched on this last week. It's a phrase that we use a lot in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy burden, and I will give you rest. It's exactly the opposite of that message. King Ahaziah lays in his bed and says, I got things to do. I wanna go do things. Is this, is this how it ends? First Corinthians 1.18 says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. If only he had turned and said, I think this God has actually proven himself to me. The truth is is that there are some men, some men wallow in death and sound confident in anything but God's word, anything but. I'm gonna to go to any source that I can except for the scriptures, except for the testimony of Jesus and find my worth or a pathway forward to life there. So if that's not how we become men who resound God's voice, then... How do we? How does God's voice become resounding in the earth? God-fearing, faithful men who love God, that's how. You see, some men strap in, some men strap in. So, I'm not sure that this will help with an Alaskan audience, but there's a phrase called, I'm strapped. Do you know what that means? I'm strapping? No? How about I'm packing? Every Alaskan man should know what that means, right? It doesn't mean you're carrying meat. It means you're carrying a gun. Right, I have, a, I have a weapon on me and I will use it, yeah? It's like that movie montage, any action hero, uh, Jason Bourne, uh, Mission Impossible, the scene starts with them going into the armory and they, find, they have this plethora of weapons and they just start putting it on them, right? They got the <laughs> rocket launcher, Two pistols, a sniper rifle, a shotgun, some swords, right? They got it all. 2 Kings 2 7 through 8. He said to them, What kind of man was he who came to meet you and told you these things? They answered him, He wore a garment of hair with a leather belt about his waist. Don't you find that odd that that's the description of the guy? And King Ahaziah knows exactly who that is. Oh, that's, that's Elijah. Dang it. Why is Elijah meddling in my kingdom? Can't he just go away? Uh, some of you who are from my generation will remember this, but when we grew up, you're like around the age of 40, we grew up, the underwear of choice was whitey tighties. Right? I had no idea what boxers were because whitey tighties is the only way forward. (laughs) And then one day sometime in middle school or high school, I was told that it was not good to wear whitey tighties because you would lose your count. You know? So you bought boxers. And then like ten years later, everybody started wearing skinny jeans. And I thought, does it what's happening? Why why did we revert to that? How do you do anything in skinny jeans? I can't wear skinny jeans. I I don't understand how people walk or sit or do anything in skinny jeans, but that's just me, I guess. I know a lot. I'm, I'm probably segregating myself from some people. There's one crowd, the Carhartt crowd, which I probably would tend toward anyway, you know? How are you prepared to go and do the things that God is calling you to? When you go to work in the yard or you go hunting, Skinny jeans is not the option. (laughs) Matthew 11, verse 7 through 10 says, As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John, John the Baptist. What did you go out into the wilderness to see, he asked? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, a prophet, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is he who has, it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Hebrews chapter 11, speaking of the prophets who were killed, says, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. See, the prophets wear the most uncomfortable thing they can find. I'm gonna wear this sheepskin coat, and I'm gonna find the most prickly leather belt to put on to remind me of what I'm here for, to speak the word of God. That's why Ahaziah knew that the only reason he's wearing that is because he's a representative of the king, of his king. Some men put on the armor of God. Some men carry around a sword that divides spirits. some men wrap around their waist this big, thick, leathery belt of truth and say, this is what I'm going to stand for today. This is, this is actually uncomfortable for me to stand for the truth because there's plenty of people out here that don't want that. They don't want to hear the truth. And yet, I'm going to wear this thing and this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be a man of God. Some men forgo their own comfort and remain committed to speaking the word of God. Some men, what kind of man am I gonna be? Some men strap in. Some men remain immovable. 2 Kings 2 10. If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you in your 50. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him in his 50. I'm not moving from this hilltop. It doesn't matter what your king says. Your king can tell me to do whatever he wants. Did you notice in the text that? It's only when God speaks to Elijah that he actually moves off the hilltop. And Elijah replicates that in Elisha. Elisha says, You're going there. As long as you're alive and as long as the Lord lives, I'm sticking with you. There's no other place for me. It's where I'm going. You know who else was like that? The greatest example that we'll ever have is Christ. He comes to his judgment day, his earthly judgment day in front of Pilate and Pilate says this, your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. Why are you guilty? Jesus' responds, says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of the, from this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus says, I, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born. For this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. earlier in Jesus's ministry in John chapter eight, verse 28 and 29, he says this, he says, when you had lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak just as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. This isn't, this isn't me doing the things. I'm simply doing the things that he says. See, it's not enough that you know the word of God. There's plenty of people that know the word of God, right? But it's another thing to do the things that he's called you to do. You might be able to pick up this book and know it word for word, but does it change you? Does it shape you? Does it inform you about what you are to do with your life? Do you love men more? Or do you love God more? What makes a man immovable is his supreme confidence in God's word some men remain immovable because the truth of God's word reigns in them lastly some men pass on life second kings 2:13 says and he took up the cloak of elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood at the bank of the river then he took the cloak that had fallen and struck the water where is the lord elijah the god of elijah Elisha picks up the thing that is going to mark his life and give him all the obstacles that Elijah has faced. And yet he's right there willing, saying, no, no, this is the way forward. Ahab's Ahab's life and his descendant showcased death to us. And yet, Elijah and the man that he passed on his ministry to pass on life to those around them. Chapter one ends, so he died, anticlimactically. You forget it in a moment. The next chapter is crazy. He threw salt in the water and healed it, and then he commanded bears to kill people. Something's happening with that guy, right? What kind of man am I? As a man, what am I replicating? Christian, what come on? Back in January, I I showed you, uh, or we were in the series of Ecclesiastes and I was talking about meaningless labor and I told you that when I grew up uh, my dad loved to pick weeds remember that just loved to be out in the yard picking weeds and I hated it so why are we picking these weeds dad this is pointless they're just gonna come back And I told you, you should put up that first picture. This is not a man who thinks life is meaningless or finds meaningless in his, in his labor. This is a man enjoying his work. And he passed on to me a love of working in the yard. And so now I do that with my kids. Go to the next picture. I go out in the yard. And this one says, I can do it. I can do it, Daddy. Yeah. Let's go do it, son. Then they get a little older. The tools get a little bigger. That smile. Some men pass on the living word of God, resounding the voice of their Heavenly Father. The Old Testament ends, last words. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, for the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, the hearts of children to their fathers. room could do and to resound the voice of God, filling up this earth with the truth of the living God. And it doesn't matter if you have completely screwed up as a dad. God is calling you to more than just to be an earthly father. He's calling you to be a spiritual father, to lead men to him, and to replicate the spirit of God in other men. This isn't a a physical battle. We fight a spiritual warfare with an undefeated God. Nothing better that you could do with your life than to speak his truth and to let it change you. So men, what kind of man are you gonna be? What are you gonna replicate? Gonna replicate the world or are you gonna replicate his spirit? Two options. I'm gonna pray in a minute. As you respond this morning, it reminds you that the prayer team would be in the back. There's communion to to be had, to meet with the living God. There's worship to be sung. And you can give. Giving receptacles in the back. Father. What an honor it is to serve you, to be your child, to witness you work in the lives of those around us, in us. God, I pray that you would give the men in this room a passion for you to know you, to love you, to, to seek after you, God, that there would be a hunger that is, that is only satiated by you and it would remain constant and welling up, driving us to the foot of the cross. we submit our lives to you and ask that you would make something worthwhile of them. And that you would use us to spread your kingdom and resound your voice, filling up the earth with your praise
1: and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. He's good. It's beautiful out there. Have you seen outside today? It's gorgeous. And right over the ridge on the homestead, it's 10 degrees warmer than it is in town. It is, right? Two o'clock this afternoon, if you wanna bring a side dish along, we'll have the main course ready for you. We're gonna have a picnic at the Ingebrigtsen Homestead. It's an awesome place for little kids. There's lots for them to do, so bring your kids along. Uh, We'll eat around two o'clock. Uh, and then we're going to do baptisms afterwards. If you're one of the people getting baptized, come and meet with Matt right up here by the stage right after we're done here. Dads, it's Father's Day and we have a special gift for you over here uh, at the door on your way out. Uh, you can grab one for your dad or if you're a dad, you can grab one, but we have uh, dad's root beer on ice for you today. So happy Father's Day to you. Uh, we.